can Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. I didn't think in Vegas I had to apologize for eating sushi off a model. I felt like in Vegas, if I'm the quarterback in Vegas, that's the halftime spread. This is the press box. <laughs> you should not have to apologize for that. Honestly, I understand it's 2020. I understand what we've got going on in terms of objectification and the Me Too movement. With Grady and Bischoff. In Vegas, that is part of the deal if you're the quarterback at UNLV. That is, I just thought you that, go there. I thought it was part of the scholarship, the stipend, all of it. On ESPN Las Vegas. Max and Dax were so polite and lovely, and I just, I was quite surprised that it got so misconstrued and blown out of proportion. I would like to humbly move past this and focus my time and energy on our game against the blank this weekend. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Still remains the best opening on the show. Has nothing to do with us. It's Ed, Tyler, and Jared. Oh, Max Gillum. We miss, miss that. We miss Max Gillum. There's no question about that. Only, only fun story out there with football. Well, here we go. The first bite. Will the Mountain West fall apart? Man, I hope they don't because they have a chance. We talked about this, and I know we're going to go over some stuff. They have a chance to be the best group of five conference now if they just kind of calm down. And, you know, not everyone jump at once. So you can tell us what's happening with Air Force College State. But I hope they don't fall apart because, like I said, I think they have a chance to be pretty decent at the group of five level now with uh, what's happening in the AAC. So Brett McMurphy reported yesterday that Air Force and Colorado State are expected to be joining the American Athletic Conference and that it could happen as soon as next week. Uh, So we could be looking at early October here. UNLV, or excuse me, the Mountain West has two teams leaving the conference. Now, it would take a year, maybe multiple years for this to actually happen, but the announcement would at least serve its purpose of the Mountain West losing a couple of teams. So, all right, let's just start on the very surface level of this, Colorado State and Air Force. Do you think those two schools leaving the Mountain West hurts the Mountain West? No, if everyone else that's in the Mountain West now stays. If everyone else stays and takes a breath, I don't think those two hurt leaving. And I'll counter with a question to you about those two. Why? Because they think Boise State and San Diego State are leaving. Okay. That's the only logic. For Colorado State, that's the only logical reason for them to leave the Mountain West. Because it makes no sense on the surface if you just look at it. You can make the argument for Air Force, hey, they're going to join up with Navy and the American, and maybe they convince them to add Army, and it makes their, hey, look at us, we're together with the service academies. But if you're the Mountain West and you lose Air Force, who cares? Like, that's that's not that big of a deal. But for Colorado State, this makes zero sense. Absolutely. Unless they think the Mountain West is going to lose Boise State and San Diego State. And that's been some of the reporting. Uh, Matt Norlander from CBS Sports Network, uh, he tweeted yesterday, can also report that San Diego State and Boise State were heavily courted by the AAC but balked. Understanding is Boise State is waiting and hoping for an eventual invite from the Big 12. So we know the AAC reached out to Boise State and San Diego State as well, and we know that both of those schools essentially rejected the American, and Matt Norlander's reporting that the reason that Boise State would have rejected the American is because they're trying to get an offer from the Big 12. So if you're Colorado State and you believe 
Boise State and San Diego State are going to leave the Mountain West in the near future, then you're getting off the ship before it starts sinking, right? And you're getting ahead of this if you're Colorado State. That's why it would make sense if you're Colorado State. Now, if Boise State and San Diego State stay in the Mountain West, it's a stupid decision by Colorado State. Yeah, because it's a much better conference than the AAC. But they're trying to get out in front here. That's basically the only logical reason is they're trying to get out in front and not be left behind. I'd have to really know internally at Colorado State that's going to happen with the other two. I understand Boise and San Diego State saying, this is stupid, we're not going there, we're going to wait for a Power 5 and go nowhere other than a Power 5. There's nowhere to go for those two except a Power 5 like the Big 12. But if you're Colorado State, you better be – I mean, it's not like the AC. You're not going to a conference where you won't be able to compete and and perhaps win league titles and everything. But to leave what's going to be the best group of five conference because you think the best two programs are going to jump – you better know something. and right. Maybe they don't care. I mean, you know, maybe they're like, we're getting out of here before it happens. And you know what? If the worst thing in the world is we're in the AC, AAC, then we're in the AAC. Right. I do think that I do think that's a if you're Colorado State, that's a solid line of thinking is, hey, yeah, we left the Mountain West. We're in the AAC. Maybe it's a little bit further for us to travel to Tampa to go right. play South Florida or something like that. But they were already traveling to San Diego, the other side of the country. So it's the travel in the AC is going to be a little bit worse for them, but it's not like Colorado state's going to suddenly be in a bad position. No, they're kind of in somewhat the same. Yeah, just not I, as good a conference. Right, if the other I two think, stay. Right. I think the AC is, is worse, but I, right. it's, they're again, they're not in a bad position joining the American athletic conference. Whereas if Boise state and Colorado state were to join the big 12, San Diego state, Excuse me, Boise, yeah, Boise State, State and San Diego State were to join the Big 12. Well, then the league's over. Then everyone else in the conference is in a horrible yeah. position. I mean, it's not over, but you're then talking about, hey, North Texas, do you want to come? Right. Then your conference looks terrible right. at that point. So I can understand that logic from Colorado State if they think those two are leaving, or even if they just think there's a greater than 50% chance that they're leaving. That they're leaving. Other than that, though, it's a dumb decision if you're Colorado sure. State. Other than that, it doesn't make much sense at all to leave no. the Mountain West right now for the American. It does not make any sense whatsoever. So on the idea of the Mountain West and this potential that Boise State and San Diego State could join the Big 12 at some point, uh, Matt Norlander also had this tweet from a Mountain West source. The biggest problem right now is no one has any faith in Craig Thompson as commissioner, and there is growing concern about the league. His hair, you got to have confidence in his hair. So is Craig Thompson going to guide the Mountain West through this? I don't know if he's going to guide him, but you and I talked about this, uh, I think, last week. The first time in a long time where I really thought he made a lot of sense and you know really made some intelligent comments is what he told Mark Ziegler in San Diego, where he said, you know, if we stay together with these 10 and, like you said, nine basketball programs, you have to add a basketball program, we'll be the best group of five. He, you know, and, and he said, he goes, I'm not going to be Mike Oresco from the AC and, and be quoted in every paper and, you know, come out with all these outlandish statements. I'm not going to do that. And I'm glad he didn't. I don't think he, he has to, to, you know, keep his teams intact for now. So is he going to lead them through this? He's going to lead them through this until the Big 12 calls Boise State and San Diego State and they're gone the next day, right? I mean... He could have the best group of five until those two leave, and then he's calling Tulsa and North Texas and saying, do you want to be in the Mountain West Conference? So I think the uh, hatred of Craig Thompson is one of the most overblown things in the Mountain West because I think what ultimately happens is people, and by people I mean fans and I mean like administrators or whoever this source is that's giving the quote, I think they try to blame their schools 
being bad at football and basketball on Craig Thompson. When in reality, the Mountain West, when it sucks, it's not because Craig Thompson did or didn't do something. When the Mountain West sucks, it's because the schools, the basketball and the football teams in this conference aren't good enough. Nobody's looking at the SEC and giving their commissioner credit for Alabama being so dominant. Like, that's not how this works. You have a good conference when you have good football and good basketball teams. And you have good football and basketball teams when you have good coaches and players. And the Mountain West doesn't have enough of those. There's nothing a conference commissioner can do to help a conference get better coaches and better players. That's on the schools themselves. And so, yeah, what like can Craig Thompson do a better job? Like what's he supposed to do? If the big 12 right now says, here you go, Boise state, here you go, San Diego state. Here's an invitation. What's they're he gone. supposed to do? No, they're They've gone. already, listen, he already saved the conference at one point by keeping Boise state. And guess what? Everybody complains about that because Boise state gets paid more, they money. Gets more money. But if Boise state's leaves, it's also yeah. what the hell's Craig Thompson doing? It's a conference commissioner. This He doesn't control how good these programs are. There's very little he can do for each program. The one thing, you know, one of the things he might be able to do, because he's got contact, he used, he used to be, or at one point he was the executive uh, director of the NSA tournament committee. He had his run there for one year. He might be able to help in instances, you know, making neutral site games or, you know, getting some scheduling done. Hey, my, you know, let's put San Diego State against Michigan like this year. You know, do you need to make a call? Beyond that, you're right. I mean, UNLV football is has been awful forever, and I don't know if Craig Thompson has anything to do with that. Right, <laughs> yeah. what you're saying, right? I mean, what, what, what would he have to do with that? The Mountain West would be in a much better position if UNLV was good at football and Absolutely. basketball. Craig Thompson has nothing to do with no. UNLV being good or bad at football and basketball. He doesn't hire people. Right. Now, the one thing I do think that conference commissioners probably deserve credit or blame for is their television deal, their media deals. And the Mountain West has not had a great one. Uh, but I would make the same argument. Who's lining up to put the Mountain West on TV? Okay, what tell me which games? group of five league has a great right? television like contract. The, <laughs> the AAC teams get paid more money as of now from ESPN, but also I think it's what, 75, 80% of their games are on ESPN Plus. Right. Like their games, granted, right. I have no problem with ESPN Plus, but the majority, no, but a lot of people do. But the majority of their games are streaming right. only. And Again, is that a bad deal for a group of five? I don't know, but that's the best one out there besides the Mountain West. And there's not ESPN's not knocking down the door no. to put Utah State, New Mexico on prime time. So you kind of just have to take what you're left with. And again, it all goes back to the football and basketball programs in this conference haven't been good enough. If you have great football, if if we had Boise State as good as they were like five, ten years ago. And like, remember when Colin Kaepernick was at Nevada? Sure. That's one of like the biggest games in college football over the last like 25 years, right? If you had that every single year for a couple of different teams, then ESPN might be saying, you're damn right. We want the Mountain West. We want to put that on TV, but they don't have that anymore. Like that does Boise State's taking a step back. Boise State's not a big national contender anymore. So it, there's very little Craig Thompson can do. And the idea that, He's the one to blame for any of this, I think, is is pretty ridiculous. Well, and I think also, I think what plays into that, and not it's unfair unfair to him, is the longevity factor, where he's only been, he's been the only commissioner the league's ever had, right. and over time, people find ways to take negative shots at someone who's been there. I mean, it's twenty five years plus, yeah. right? It's I, it's and, since ninety eight, ninety nine, okay. whatever so it is. So twenty three, twenty four yeah. years. Um, yeah, he's been the only guy. I literally had lunch with him the week before he started and he's still the commissioner. I mean, it's just, it's mind boggling. And that doesn't happen very often, right? I mean, you know, no. to be that longevity in it. So 
the presidents obviously don't have as big a deal with him as fans do because the presidents control his position. And if they wanted him out, they would want him out. I'll tell you what, you're right about the TV contracts. For the being in the Mountain West, like you said, not having the Boise power in football of the past, I know they don't get a lot of money, but you can watch a lot of games on CBS Sports. Right. I mean, I, I watch a ton of games. You've got to you know, miss the first quarter. Well, yes. I mean, you <laughs> know, the that's game before because you're run waiting for Tulsa, North Texas, <laughs> the, the future members of the Mountain West who finish their game in overtime. But the money is not good. I get that. But I, the counter to that is to people who say about the TV contract, okay, then show us a group of five which has a great TV contract. It doesn't exist. No. And by the way, nor should it. Because if I'm a TV executive, I want Power 5 right. teams on my network. Right. All you have to do is ask yourself, am I interested in watching Utah State, New Mexico play football? Over an SEC game. Right. You're absolutely not. No. You're absolutely no. not interested in that. Even like the only people that are, are Utah State, New Mexico fans. Right. And then when it's the only game on and it's 9 o'clock at, at night on a Saturday and, night right, sure. and everything on the East coast is done, then okay. Right. You get people that flip over and say, Oh, I'll there's watch Hawaii game. play. Oh, right. UNLV's like, that's when people will watch it. But otherwise there's zero interest in watching the majority of the teams in this right. conference. And you, you're not going to get a good television deal when there's not a big appetite for your program. All right. Coming up next, golden Knights won a preseason game last night. Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Be part of the conversation on the Finley Kia text line at 69187. Finley Kia, come see a Kia on West Sahara. Joining us in about 10 minutes will be the Golden Knights head coach, Pete DeBoer coming off a 4-3 win over the Colorado Avalanche in the second preseason game of the year. They play Thursday and Friday as well. A lot of preseason games for the Golden Knights this week. Uh, But I'm a little uh, pessimistic now about Peyton Krebs and his chances to even make the roster to start the year. Uh, Last night, he was on a line with Brett Howden and Jack Dugan, while Will Carrier, Nick Waugh, and Keegan Colasar we're on a line, and that is the presumptive fourth line once the regular season gets here, once they're starting. So we've now seen Peyton Krebs play in back-to-back preseason games, and he, in this game, was not in a position where he'd be on the fourth line if the regular season started. So I'm venturing to guess Peyton Krebs not on the opening night roster. Yeah, uh, I was out there yesterday for the for the, I mean, the skate because they played last night. Um Asked a few people I trust that are around it every day, and they are leaning towards he'll start in Henderson. What? Uh, okay. I mean, you know, I, I also think it's he's going to be up sometimes during the year. People get hurt, as right. we know. We've seen it before, up and down. The, we make fun of up and down the 215, but I think you're going to see him You're going to see him up as well. He's waiver exempt, so they can yeah, send him between Henderson and Vegas yeah. as, as much as they want. So here, I guess my, my main disappointment with it is without Peyton Krebs making a run at a roster spot, the preseason's like boring as hell because there's no, there's nothing up for grabs. What about the backup goalie just to watch him, even though he's going to be the backup goalie, just to watch him. I get, I don't know. There's, there's I mean, literally it, nothing. Yeah, there's nothing. Like the the lineup is set. Yes. We, we know. We basically know what the opening day lineup. We is. even know the third line now. Right. Barring injury, we basically know the opening day lineup. And again, injuries can change that. It's hockey. Somebody's probably going to get hurt between now and the start of the season to change that. But. It's as of now, it's pretty boring. Like there's not, there's not even really position battles. It's just sort of the top six is the same as it was last year. They've got a new third line with two new faces and Jan Mark, who's still tech kind of a new face. 
And then a fourth line that just sort of got rid of uh, Ryan Reeves and now has Keegan Colasar <laughs> in there. It's, I mean, it, here's the thing. It's good from the Golden Knights perspective, simply it's because a really good team. they're a contender. Yeah. They know, everybody knows what their spot is. Like, it's good. It's just from a preseason, hey, what's interesting to watch for? What's interesting to look out for? There's nothing. I want to ask you something. Uh, I'm going to ask Pete about this as well, because I asked him yesterday about the second line and continuity, and this will be their fifth year together. And he did. He said they're the identity of the franchise. They've done so much for them. But, and there was a but in there, that we're not blind to the fact that combinations and changes could be made. And he said it a few times to the point of, I didn't know if that was just him motivating them. I don't know. Because, you know, I'm sure they read what he says and hear what he says. Or it's like, hey. And he said this, he goes, including those guys, we didn't do enough in the in, in last year in getting eliminated. So you know what? Everything's on the table. I would think it's more the latter that that's like, look, they need to take the next step. And while it's nice to say you have the Misfits line and they've been together for five years and they're one of those continuity lines in the NHL, it's not getting done. You got to mix things up. This, these people want to win a cup. I don't even know how I could even begin to look this up. I wonder how many lines have been together for as long as this line has been together. I'm trying to do that. Oh, are <laughs> doing you? some okay. research. I'm trying That's, to do that. I can't even I, imagine. I'm so far just into the point of there, and these this line is not of these levels. But I think the Boston line's been yeah. together for a long time. I don't know how long the McKinnon line's been together, um, but I don't know if it's been five years. Um, the the line, the fourth line with the Islanders, were together for years. Took a few hours, a few years off, and now they're back together. In terms of continuity, I've been told and I'm going to look up the numbers that that's the line that's been together the longest. But yeah, I mean, five years in the NHL, right? That's a long time for one line to be pretty much. Hey, this is the line. Yeah, and I mean, they've been good together. Yes, it's not they've like been that. very good. But absolutely, the, the, the interesting part on that is like you mentioned Boston. That would be that's like been one of the best lines yes. in hockey for a while. Again, they've been good, but. They haven't been one of the best lines in hockey. No, they've just been together. Yeah, they've been they've been a solid line, but yeah. it's not like oh, that's one of the most feared lines no. in the NHL, which makes it interesting because normally, I it, mean, the most talented line is the Patchetti line, right? But which hasn't been yeah. together with Stevenson as long. But normally, if you were keeping a line together that long, it's because wow, they've been awesome together. Right. They're one of the best in hockey. We're keeping them together, or like you mentioned with the Islanders, hey, they're really cheap and it's the fourth right. line and they get done what we want them to get done, so it doesn't cost as much. But normally, if you have a good line that would be worthy of sticking together guys get paid. And when guys get paid, they don't only have to go to a different team to get paid and things get broken up. But so it is, it's interesting that they've had them together that long and five years. I'm fascinated to find out. I'm glad you're doing it. Not me. Find out what other lines in the NHL have been together and how long long they've been together. I think, and Pete mentioned this yesterday. Everyone always goes to the Boston line. It's the probably, well, I know there's gonna be arguments between a lot of people on who's better that or the McKinnon line. But the Boston line seems to the Pasternak line seems to have been together for a long time, right. and they're and like you just said, they're really good. Right, they're, yeah, <laughs> they're viewed as one, one of the two, top. They're in the hockey. first or yeah. second best line in hockey. So yeah, it'd be. I I am curious because we kind of we're sitting here Wednesday, September 29th, right. saying we know what the lines are. It's it's boring or whatever. Obviously, injuries can happen or whatever. But I am curious to see what DeBoer's first like line juggling will be like if they look like crap for two periods and he changed it for the third period, or if they don't play well for a week or something. And right. it's like, we're mixing this up more permanently. I'm curious to see, cause the I'm curious ob- to see what he would do with right, them. Because you, you can obviously mix around your top six and put Carlson up there with patch right. ready and stone. But now your third line with Jan Mark and especially with Evgeny Dadnov, you've got some options to move up the lineup to move it. That's not just Alex Tuck in the past. It's always been, well, Alex Tuck is really the only guy you'd move from the bottom right. six to the top six. Now there's some options. And if Nolan Patrick plays well, I mean, if Nolan Patrick comes in, 
and plays well, plays much better than he did before he got to Vegas, then you could make the argument that he should move up in the lineup mm-hmm. and that he could be the top center between Stone and Patch Ready. So I'm curious what his sort of when he's like, oh, we're not playing well. I need to change things. I'm curious what those changes will be. It's interesting because I was also I also got to talk to Carlson yesterday, and it was interesting what he said. And I told him I said, hey, this is what Pete said about you know, look, they're not they're open to everything and to to win a cup, you know, that you have to be open to that. And he said, oh yeah, he goes, that's on us. He goes, you know, that's if we don't perform well, then. We could be split up because that's what happens in hockey. He said, and I know there's a lot of other good players on this team that I could see myself with. So it's not one of these situations where they're fighting it or they're saying this isn't going to happen. I think they realize that they need, they all believe at that management level that they should win the Stanley Cup. And if they think it's not happening, then they need to make changes. And conceivably, if the Golden Knights put together a third line that can actually score goals on a regular basis this year, which is what they think they did with right. Don uh Dadnov, Jan, Mark, and Patrick, and potentially Alex Tuck eventually when he comes back. It's not like Carlson's going to get moved to the fourth line and be playing eight minutes a night. No. He'll get he, you know, he might get moved up or he might get moved down. Like Riley Smith might drop down to the third line, and yeah, he might play two less minutes a night or something. But you're still conceivably playing with other good players. Mm-hmm. Like mixing it up doesn't really mean somebody's truly getting demoted. It no. just means hey. We need like to the tr- combination. Yeah, we need to try you with Chandler Stevenson today because you, Carlson, and Marceau haven't been good enough together. All right, coming up next, Pete DeBoer joins the show. Now William Carlson has it left wing half wall, feeds the blue line, Petrangelo, a shot, he scores! Alex Petrangelo with his heels on the blue line, fires one through traffic and through Johansson, we're tied at three. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Joining us now is the head coach of the Golden Knights, Pete DeBoer. Pete, good morning. How are you today? Hi, Pete. Morning, Ed. Tyler, how are you guys? We are good. Uh, so I'm curious, when you have a game, what were there, 11 penalties called last night? Uh, do you like that because it's a preseason game? You know what? Um, good and bad. Uh, you know, it limits your opportunity to, to, to really get the uh, the ice time to some of the young guys you want to see. Uh, at the same time, it gives you an opportunity to practice some special teams and some of the things you're trying to instill. So you'd like a happy medium in there somewhere, maybe instead of 11, six or seven, <laughs> but uh, you know, we, uh, we found a way and we did some good stuff and uh, we got through healthy, which was the most uh, important point. Hey Pete, I want to talk to you about uh, something I asked you yesterday about the second line, and we talked about it before you came on, and you talked about them being the identity of the team. But you, there was a caveat in there I thought was interesting. Look, everyone has to play better to make one more step, and you're not against combinations down the road if it doesn't work out. Like, is that the way you're going into the season, where you're going to see how everything works, but you think you're good enough to win the cup, and nothing's going to stand in your way in terms of even lines that have been together for a long time? Yeah, absolutely, Ed. I think um, we. We have to, uh, you know, uh, take that approach. And uh, I think those guys deserve uh, to start together. Uh, their track record, what they've done, they're, they like playing together, their success together, um, you know, and uh, I, I think they deserve that opportunity. But uh, I think as we move forward, all bets are off, uh, you know, because we have dried up at the, at the wrong time here the last two years deep in the playoffs. And, you know that's a little bit on me too. Maybe I've got to I've got to look to uh, change things up there a little quicker. On the idea of continuity, you have your top two lines back pretty much intact, and but your third line is pretty much brand new. Janmark was here, but not for too long. I guess can you tell as a coach 
the difference this time of year between, say, that second line with Marshall Carlson and Smith versus Dadnoff, Patrick, and Janmark playing together? Can you tell there's a difference in guys that have played together for a long time versus guys that are new together? Yeah, absolutely. Those guys have an uncanny ability to know where each other are. They've got a great chemistry. Uh, that's, that's hard to replicate, and, and it sure doesn't happen, you know, the first week you throw three guys together. So they, they've developed that over years of playing together, and, and they enjoy it, and they talk a lot. And they're smart guys. So, um, you know, I, I like uh, the depth of our forwards. I'm still not uh, sure what those lines are going to look like. Obviously, Alex Tuck, when he rolls back in, uh, after his recovery from shoulder surgery in the off season as a different element down there. But uh, to start the season, I like what Dadnoff's look like. Yan Mark's a real solid player. You know, I really like Nick Wad and Patrick's come in and had a good camp. So we got a lot of options there. Uh, the big, you know, a name that keeps coming up every day to you and other people, Pete, is Peyton Krebs. I know you've said he's an NHL player. It just depends on when uh, waiver exempt, so you can move him if you want. Like, update us on Peyton Krebs, and, and what is the next step for him? When do you say, well, he's an NHL player, uh, and we don't know when, or yes, he's an NHL player right now? Yeah, so I, I guess that's a million-dollar question, and, and uh, you know, I'd be lying to you if I said that the salary cap and the ability to move guys up and down without waivers uh, doesn't come into those conversations. And, you know, uh, unfortunately that's uh, the the salary cap level, the world that we live in that, uh, you know, if it's easier to move a young guy up and down, sometimes that has to get factored in. So uh, he, he looks like an NHL player. He looked like an NHL player last year. He's more confident, stronger this year. He's going to help us. At some point this year, I have no doubt about it, um, just whether that's uh, to start the season or Christmas or March, uh, you know, the jury's still out. I know you guys are not the only team or games that have done it, but who? where, where did the idea come from to just start doing shootouts at the end of preseason games, no matter what the result was? Yeah, you know, I think it was just coaches uh, with too much time on their hands shooting drinks <laughs> around in the summer, uh, you know, figuring out ways that we can practice something. And and you know what? It's funny, but but we practice it at the end of practice. Uh, in a practice environment, it, it's not the same as trying to do it in front of fifteen or 18,000 people, uh, you know, with the game on the line. Even though even though we know the game wasn't on the line, that, that environment is is impossible to replicate. So both for a goalie and a shooter. So uh, I've liked it. Uh, I think it's been beneficial because you really can't replicate it in practice. Have you had any players tell you they don't want to shoot because they don't want to give away any of their moves? <laughs> no. No, we, we haven't had any of that. If, if anything, guys are crawling over each other to get up there and, uh, and, and shoot. So, um, you know, and, and from a fan perspective, I think, I think uh, the fans like it. I, I think it's a, a nice touch and a nice way to end a, a, an exhibition game that can sometimes be, uh, you know, a little, a little boring compared to the regular season. We uh, saw Robin Leonard the other day in the media room, obviously slimmed down, was excited about that. He talked about how he's worked out, and you said that when you first saw him, uh, you couldn't believe kind of the transformation. Can you take us through how you think his mindset will be entering? I mean, last year it was all about flurrying him, and you won't have to ask that many questions, answer that many questions this year, but how do you think he will approach now being the guy and knowing he's the guy? Well, I think every athlete wants to be in that position, and, uh, you know, I, I think uh, 
his career has shown that he's a legitimate starter in the NHL and not just legitimate, but elite. Um, so I, I think the fact that he's not going to have that noise around, I think is going to allow him to come to the rink and really pour his energy into the important things. And that's, and that's starting and winning games and, and playing excellent hockey for us. Um, you know, he's obviously got a, a lot on the line. There's a lot of, People that, uh, including uh, guys in our room and coaches that, you know, we all love Marc-Andre Fleury, but this is a new era. And uh, I think that uh, uh, Robin, in my mind, is going to have a fantastic season. Uh, you know, he, we're, we're trying to win a Stanley Cup. He's trying to make an Olympic team and play in the Olympics in Beijing in February or March for Sweden and really show the world he's uh, the elite goalie we know he is. If you invite him over to your house, does he bring his own shovel to dig up snake holes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea what that's about. Uh, you know, it, it's funny when you when you get in a dressing room, you've got so many different personalities. And I got to be honest, he's one of the most interesting men uh, that I've had the opportunity to coach to sit down and talk to. He's he's uh, you know the, the courage it's taken him to be at the forefront of the of the mental. Uh, side of the game and, and the mental illness in sports uh, you know he was one of the first guys in hockey to do that and 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 put himself out there and uh, I've got a lot of time for him and he's, he's an enjoyable guy to be around well let's stay with that real quick because you'll uh, assist on the Olympic team talk about the call you got from there uh, but also I mean I, I don't even know how you pick this team with what you're about to get in terms of talent on that team well, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's exciting. I mean, anytime you can represent your country, I actually read, I think, I think Ed, Ed did a games in Beijing once and yet, uh, so you can maybe yeah, fill, I did. Me, fill me in on what that's like. I'm looking forward to, to no. seeing what that looks like, but, um, anytime you get an opportunity to, uh, to coach for your country, it's a great call. And then when it's for an Olympics, uh, it's even more special. I, I think I, I mentioned that, uh, you know, I told my parents, my, my mom and dad, uh, both first-generation Canadians, uh, uh, I couldn't believe the emotion and the excitement uh, that they got uh, when, I, when I told them that I was, I was, I was uh, going to get the opportunity to, to go over and represent Canada at the Olympics. So exciting times for, for me and our family, but, uh, yeah, some tough, tough choices and good choices when you're deciding between you know mcdavid and mckinnon on the power play <laughs> that's it's, tough it's, yeah. a, it's a good choice <laughs> everyone's feeling sorry for you um yeah. just remember that uh, when you get to the great wall uh have yourself a starbucks which is the most <laughs> surreal thing you'll ever see in your life with the history of what you're about to do and then you order your frappuccino i'm telling you it's very surreal <laughs> very surreal I'll, I'll remember that uh pete which 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 of your own players do you least want to lose to in the olympics because you know you'll never hear the end of it Oh man! Wow, I, I think Alex Tuck because he talks non he talks nonstop. So uh, you know, I think the U.S. Canada thing would be would be big anyway. And then you throw Tucky's uh, <laughs> verbal skills in there. I think I think we'd never hear the end of it. All right, we have to ask you this. There's a rumor going around, and we we need to know. You play pickup hockey. One is that true? <laughs> because, that is true. Okay. that is true. Okay. Friday nights in. Uh, in Henderson and uh, not not pretty. Well, we we've heard some things. You have to dispute this or not that you play pickup <laughs> hockey, 
and you might yell at people for not passing, and that person might be five, and that person might be five years old. So, are you yelling at five-year-olds for not passing you the puck? <laughs> I mean, this is what we've heard. Uh, you know what? False, false rumor, but uh, um, I, I will say that I got a little, I, I get a little carried away sometimes with the uh, frustration of my own game, and I take it out on people around me. Okay. We heard the kid was five, and we felt sorry for him because he didn't, he didn't pass you the puck, and you started like, "Wait, hey, let's go pass the damn puck." Bad, bad scoop. <laughs> well, he is Pete DeBoer, Gold Knights head coach and Henderson pickup hockey superstar. Pete, thank you so much thank for you, joining Pete. us. Appreciate Thanks, it. Guys. Take care. Bye. Confirmed the uh, gets a little uh, heated in Henderson. Yell at the five year olds. They deserve Yeah, you, it. you'd love them yell oh, at the five year olds. How are they going to learn? That's exactly. right. How do they learn to pass the puck? I'd yell at them. No <laughs> doubt about it. We're playing pickup basketball or hockey or anything and you're screwing up? Get get out of here. You're getting yelled at. No doubt about it. There's no chance we're not yelling at the five year olds. They deserve it. Absolutely deserve it. All, All right. right. So there's Pete DeBoer, Golden Knights head coach. Coming up next, the Aces. They got a 1 0 lead in the WNBA semifinals. By Turner into the hands of Tarazi. They're down four. Phoenix has the ball. Kia Nurse for three. Front rim no good. Chelsea Gray with the rebound. Fouled by Diggins Smith. That will do it. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Oh, the Las Vegas Aces. They've been close two years in a row. Lost in the semifinals a couple years ago. Lost in the WNBA finals last year. To Seattle, but the two seed, they won last night. They beat Phoenix 96 to 90. It's a best of five, so they're two wins away from returning to the WNBA finals. How you feeling? Uh, said yesterday, not a sweep. I said a sweep, and he reminded me it's three out of five, so I said uh, aces and four, so I'll stick with aces and four. They're sweeping. I think they're sweeping. Here's, here's the thing. I don't believe the Phoenix Mercury can guard the Las Vegas aces because we saw last night the Mercury – went out of their way to slow down Asia Wilson. They were double teaming her. They were making sure Asia Wilson was not a dominant player in this game, but at the expense of giving Kelsey Plum and Raquana Williams and Chelsea Gray, some more space to create some more space to shoot and Chelsea or Kelsey Plum at 25 points Raquana Williams had 26 and the backcourt was phenomenal for the aces. The Mercury can't take away everything. They cannot take away everything that the Las Vegas Aces are going to do on offense. And to me, the the only way that Phoenix wins a game in this series is if they, let's say they do the same thing, they take away Asia Wilson, is if like Kelsey Plum and Raquana Williams start missing a bunch of shots, or if the Phoenix Mercury go unbelievable from three and hit like 15 to 24 threes or something like that. That to me is the only way, is if it's a great shooting night for Phoenix or a bad shooting night for right. Vegas. But I just, I do not think they can guard everything the Aces can throw at it. Then that's what I'm counting on. Yeah. 15, 16 threes. Uh, <laughs> Kelsey Plum starts missing shots. Raquana Williams starts missing shots, and they're going to get one game. Uh, of course, if Diana Taurasi's out going oh. up with the ankle, then then you are right. It's going to be a sweep. So we'll see what Di- uh, Diana Taurasi's um, health I, is. Can I read the. Please the read this because okay. this is one of the greatest lines ever. So Paul Gutierrez uh, covered the Aces and uh, Mercury last night. He tweeted out this quote from Bill Lambeer on Diana Taurasi, who. Had a she moment left, in the right? game where she had looked like she had an injury and then afterwards was in a walking booth okay. after the game. Uh, but here's the Lambeer quote. Tarasi isn't hurt. Come on, please. This is the playoffs. Nobody's hurt. I've been there and done that. There's no sympathy factor in the playoffs and she will not give any quarter. Make sure of that one. Okay. She will cut your head out in a second. 
So she's not hurt. We're going to play her as though she's full speed and ready to go and everything like that. That's how we do business. If we think otherwise, <laughs> we put ourselves at a disadvantage. Okay. So that's Lambeer about a player who's like limping around yeah. in a walking boot. He's like, bleep that. She's not hurt. Pump the brakes, bad boy. And then Paul Gutierrez also tweeted this out. The response from Diana Taurasi, who was wearing a walking boot on her left ankle, who's Bill Lambeer? <laughs> Okay, so golf clap for Diana Taurasi. It's a great comeback. It's awesome. Uh, and in the world of WNBA, Diana Taurasi's, uh, let's just say in a nice yeah. way, far more elevated than Bill Lambeer in the world of the WNBA and women's basketball. So, But Lambeer, I, I don't know, he's, he's I mean, a little over the top. This yes, guy with this. Like, Come on, just say I think she's going to play. It's Diana Taurasi. She's one of the all-time greatest women's players. She'll probably give it a go. His <laughs> His his point's not wrong. His point is oh, she's gonna give it. A, yeah, right. she's gonna try. She's gonna play, and yes. we're gonna we're gonna prepare as though she's a hundred percent and should. be ready. But he just came I down mean, with geez. that hammer of please come on. Sorry. This is the playoffs. <laughs> Nobody's hurt. What she what he say? She'll cut our heads off. Yeah, she'll cut she'll cut your. I said head. She'll cut your heart out in a oh, second. She'll cut your heart out. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it kind of, I mean that's, that's kind, kind of, of true, a compliment, though. though. Like, that's also kind of a nice thing. Well, not a nice thing, but it's also it's a compliment. Like, yeah. Okay. The WNBA playoffs. I don't remember getting anything great like this last year, but they were in the bubble, so it was a little bit of a weird year. But we have gotten some great trash talk with Aces in the playoffs because two years ago, when they played Washington, Liz Cambage, in the finals. No, in the semifinals. In the semis, LA to Dillon. Liz okay. Cambage gave a quote in one of the po- like on TV post game interview after the Aces won about how the uh, Washington needed to get in the weight room because they were too small right. to Remember handle that. her Remember in the that. post. Great, great trash talking. But then Washington won the series, and Natasha Cloud, the one of the guards for Washington, celebrated by doing push ups. <laughs> On the Aces logo at midcourt after knocking the Aces out of the playoffs because that was her way of getting in the weight room and getting stronger. And we have had some great trash talk with the Aces in the playoffs. It's been great. And this isn't even Liz Cambage. Cambage is normally the one that's in the middle of and it. And a lot of it, I think, is fed off for, and it's good points for us, is Lambeer because a oh, lot of it comes from him and he's kind of brash and they probably pick up on that and do their own trash talking. Yeah. Now, every time we every time we interview an Aces player, they say something that makes us go, "Oh my god, I don't can't yeah. believe you just said that." Well, and the, every time we interview them, even though it has nothing to do with the interview, we're always Bath like, sauce. "Tell us about Lambeer. Tell us about Lambeer. What Lambeau do? What, what's he done?" <laughs> now, on the other side where I did pick the sweep with Connecticut because I think my exact statement was yesterday Chicago completely stinks. They're awful. They go in and in one oh one ninety five they win uh in double O team they beat Connecticut. So the sixth seed has a one game lead on Over the, the one, one seed. seed in the WNBA playoffs. Uh the Chicago Sky finished ten games behind the Connecticut Sun in the regular season. Ten games. Ten. They were sixteen and sixteen. They were completely flat average, average. five hundred 10 games behind the best team. Again, they play 32 games in the WNBA. So 10 games behind in a 32-game season is a pretty big margin. Will, as you say in the rundown, the Aces cut down the nets and order their rings by beating the fifth and the sixth seed in the WNBA playoffs. I mean, at this point, the Chicago Sky need to win two of four games I don't think that's Connecticut. Happened. I don't think it is either. But, but it's much more likely than we thought it was yesterday. Yes. And there is a legitimate chance the Aces... Playoff run to a title is the five seed and the six seed. Eh? 
which play who's in front of you, right. Tyler, or the don't rings. control it. That's no. you get the two seed for a reason. They yeah. give you a big advantage to be the one or the two. So, but there's a legitimate chance the Aces play the five seed and the six seed to win a WNBA title, which would be. I'll say this: if they don't win it, and that was the path. Something's got to change. Like you're, something's got to change. Maybe opposing coaches are preparing for somebody else. Yes. <laughs> so because it's one thing if you lose, you know, you lose to Brianna Stewart in Seattle when or she's even, or awesome. even if you lose to Connecticut, right. who's Connecticut's the one seed, the best team in the league right. this year, and and they've been beating teams up. But if they get the five, if they lose this series, or if there's an upset and they get to play Chicago in the final, and you lose to a team that's sixteen and sixteen. I hope not because the quotes won't be uh, as good no matter who who they would hire. There's no way. Won't There's be as no fun. Way. Won't be as fun. Okay, I have another question for you from this game. The Phoenix Mercury on their jersey have a sponsor. It's Fry's Electronics. Mm-hmm. Okay. Didn't they close? In every store in in the country? Yeah, I I thought that's what it was. I'm on it. I'm Jared's almost on certain it. It. On it. Like, well, maybe they closed after these. Uh, this team put the put it on the jersey. Maybe they closed this year and they during just, the pandemic, and they just couldn't get more. Jared, Fry's Electronics has shut down all stores, all 31 of its stores after 36 Oof. years. Yeah. Wow. How, are they still? Well, I mean, on, I, I guess, guess you, you can, sew it on, and you have to go through the year. Yeah. Like if you go to their website, Fry's.com, you can't. It's just a letter from the president or whatever about after 36 years in the business, blah, blah, blah. Does he end it with, but watch the Mercury. We are sponsoring them this year, and they have a good chance to make a run at the WNBA title. How are they still sponsoring that? They don't exist anymore. The check cleared. The ch- exactly. exactly. The check cleared to put the, uh, the, the little that's patches how they, on the that is, That's why they're exactly. out of business. Yeah. Was that the last check they yes. wrote? The well, Diana Taurasi. The WNBA team. Oh, that was We're our, shut down. All our money's gone.